The Sports Zilla Show starts now. I was on my way in here to cancel your show, but the banter you did with that guy. Well, as we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. Make him part of the show. You get that kid in here. We need more laughs on the show. My boss ordered me to bring you on. All right, this is my show, and it's a serious intellectual hour of discussion. Hey, what's up? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? No sports, no rock, no information for mindless chatter. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Oh, hashtag Greenberg again. Stole my lead story with the Syracuse Sports Center. Gonna talk about the Knicks a little bit. It's a positive move in the right direction. Seth Goldberg, nothing but love, buddy. Giving you a sign of respect on the Q Sports Talk Twitch.tv channel because you can watch us as well as listen to us here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I'm sure you saw that breaking news, Scoop. Uh, no, I didn't, and I didn't hear him either because I was trying to fix my computer laptop here, which uh, will not log on to any website. So I was like completely, totally focused on that. I have no idea what the breaking news is. Yeah, that was uh, a little bit earlier today. Steve Mills was fired. It should have probably happened when Phil Jackson was let go. But no, he was given Phil Jackson's job. Oh, man, not good. I think you got to just clean everything out and start new, like in the office and let alone the players and everything else. There's basically half of the team has been rumored to be trade bait as the trade deadline is approaching. I'll direct my attention to Nick Ailes now, who's in his Knicks gear. Nick in his Knicks gear. Again, a Knicks fan, as am I. Are you happy with this move? I think this was the right thing. He had to go a long time ago. He's toxic. It's just this, this toxicity that just remains in the in the offices and the executive branch. Well, it's a good start. Is uh, is James Dolan still the owner? That's the problem. Well, then maybe, we're not done. Maybe uh, Jerry Jones will trade with James, and like he'll take the Knicks, and uh, Dolan can take the Cowboys. <laughs> I'll take Jerry Jones over James Dolan. I honestly think that I would do the same thing. So then you're agreeing. You're in agreement with me. That's kind of what they need to do. They just need to clean house because there's just all this awfulness that permeates the Knicks. Yep. Bye. See ya. Purge button. Purge button. Clean house. Everybody gone. Why doesn't he mess with the Rangers as much as he does the Knicks, though? Because James Dolan owns both. And he ultimately or at least seems to leave the Rangers alone. I don't understand why he kind of gets involved with the Knicks so much. If he was just a silent owner, was never go to games, just go away. Does he go to Rangers games? Like, we always see him at Knicks games, but I don't know that I've ever seen a shot of him at a Rangers game. Surely he has to have gone. With the courtside seats, you could be so visible at a Knicks game and Celebrity Row and things like that. And, I mean, they'll do crowd shots at a Rangers game, but you got the board circling. He might be up in a luxury box or an executive box or something like that, but you don't see him. But you see him, and I have to imagine, like, the majority of the people that work for the Knicks organization, top to bottom, front to back, side to side, or just go, they see him and they go, oh, oh. If it wasn't the New York Knicks and the fact that I could say I work for the New York Knicks, this is not about Dolan. It's not a great ownership group at all. He's the worst in, the, in, in sports. Well, perhaps, I mean, I don't know the guy, but he... He must really like the team as awful as he is, but completely lacking any degree of self-awareness 
to realize that the best thing he could do is to leave and not own the team. Maybe go to the games as a fan and let somebody else own the team because it's an unmitigated disaster. They have till Thursday to figure this out. So they get rid of him. They get rid of Steve Mills and they give Scott Perry basically total control at this point over these decisions. What do they do moving forward? Who are they going to keep? Who are they not going to keep on this roster? But you you may have wanted to do that a few weeks ago so that he didn't have to deal at all. He could just streamline his thought process and not have to worry about Steve Mills' thoughts, impressions, ideas, or whatever. So it's kind of like you're giving this guy about, what, 48 hours to figure it all out, Nick? I mean, it's a very Nick's thing to do. Yeah, that's the problem. So what do you do? Who do you get rid of? Who do you keep? Who do you like? The the one name that I keep hearing, because he is interested in staying and seeing, yeah, well, it's a rebuild every single season, it feels like, but it's Marcus Morris. And I'm okay with that. I like Marcus Morris. He's a good player. Randall, Julius Randall, I don't really feel like he is. I feel like he's a complimentary piece. So is Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris just feels like he has a different makeup to me. And that's a guy I want in that locker room. Whereas Randall, I don't know so much. I, I think Marcus, I've heard uh, Randall going to Charlotte and a few other places. I'm sure you saw the same thing. Yeah, I did. Those rumors. So who do you keep? Who do you let go? Uh, what's the plan? I, I mean, Mitchell Robinson's got to stay. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. The problem with Randall is that you're right. He is a complimentary piece, but he gets paid frontline money. At this point, so, yeah, that contract, he, he was not worth that contract. No. And so I like Julius Randall. I mean, if we had, if he was, if we had mellow like a few years ago, and then Randall would be a great number two. Yeah, if they had pieces team. built around him right now, but they don't have yeah, that. Exactly. So I think you got to get rid of him. If you can love Marcus Morris, even though his comments weren't that great, but still a great player. Even disagree, off the bench. disagree with those comments too, for sure. Although good trash talk is good trash talk, won't lie on that. Um, I mean, it's just like, who do you even bother keeping? Why all these veterans? Like, what's the point of hanging around? Taj Gibson, like, great veteran piece, great leadership. What value does he have to offer over starting young Bullock? I mean, Alfred Payton. I mean, a lot of these guys. Yeah, Taj Gibson. Frank, I like Bobby Portis, though. I like Bobby Portis, too, but he's the same type of thing. Yeah. He's a complimentary piece somewhere else. You're not going to build around him. I mean, you know what he did with the Bulls. I just think Mitchell Robinson is probably one of the very few guys that I keep. And other than that, the other 13 can, I don't care if they go or if they stay. you got to build something around this. you got to rebuild the right way for a change, which they've not done. R.J. Barrett, obviously, I think you keep him, too. Uh, based on his potential, he's only 19. But, I mean, you're looking to go, you're going to wait another year? Or are you going to gut your team even further with your chances to rebuild to get Ujiri out of Toronto? Does that make sense? I want the guy, sure. And maybe you see what you can do in the meantime. But to get him, you have to give up a whole bunch, too. I mean, he's the hottest executive in the game. I mean, look what he's done. Do you realize that Toronto has the exact same record after losing Kawhi Leonard as they did last year at this point in the season, the exact same record. So what he's doing is building a good team. It's a well-run organization in Toronto right now. That's the fact. I mean, obviously, they won the championship last year, but it continues now having lost Kawhi, which is remarkable if you really think about it. He's one of the five best players on the planet. Well, let's also consider they're not going to have Kawhi to make those shots. True. 
that won games in the playoffs. I don't think the end result it, is the same it, this year. It's but. still, though, an impressive achievement. He's obviously a great executive. But I don't know who on earth in the NBA would want to go there. Yeah, it's a great storied franchise. Yeah, it's New York City. But my God in heaven, it's an awful dumpster fire. Nobody can save it. I think there are pieces there that could turn into good pieces, but they're not the problem. And they might actually play better for better ownership and better management. Yeah. You know, who wants to go there? You can't get anybody to go there. Guys, you know, we're talking, we had that story, I think it was in the athletic. Melo and uh, KD and Kyrie were having conversations. Hey, let's get together on the same team. Well, then they go, well, it's not the Knicks, man. The Knicks ain't the place to be. And and two of them wind up as, as Brooklyn Nets. What do you do in order to change that narrative? Steve Mills was part of the Phil Jackson. There's he, nothing he, you can do. There's he, not, I don't know how any Knicks fans have any degree of hope. Throw your hands up in the air and you go, we're, we're lost. The ship is lost until Dolan is gone. Yeah, the one thing that you could do is win a little bit, at least be a decent NBA team on a consistent. I mean, I'm talking even a 500 record, okay, because it's still New York City and MSG. But then there is always exactly what you said, Dolan. He's always just kind of hanging over everything. He's just lingering there and is so toxic that it's a matter of time if things go bad before he gets involved and then it just blows up again, and there you go, dumpster fire 101. I mean, this guy could teach a class on how to not run an organization. Here's the other thing. One NBA team last year demanded two first-round picks when another team inquired about letting its executive out of an existing contract. So that's a starting point if the Knicks want to go to Toronto for you, Jerry. Can they really get Ujiri, though? That's the thing. Again, he would be a great executive to bring to the team, to bring into the fold. But then are they going to hamstring him so he can't get anything done? Which seems to happen to anybody good who goes there. They're just weighed down by the situation. I don't know that he wants to go there. I don't know that they could talk him into going there. Why would you want to leave Toronto for that? Great question. Is New York City okay? But Toronto isn't so bad. And like you just said, they're kind of where they were this time last year with Kawhi. What a great situation. Why would, why would you, Jerry, want to leave there? I don't understand it. For what he has to go from right now, the reigning champions of the NBA to one of the worst teams, it, let alone the culture and the way that it's run by Dolan. They're just a bad team, too, the on only, top of that. The only way it interests him is because they're driving a truckload of that cable TV money up to his house. Yeah, that's really about that's ultimately all it really could be about at this point. Another uh, player that caught my attention moving into the trade trade deadline for the NBA on Thursday, as we chat about it here on the Sports Illustrated Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1, is Andre Iguodala. Everybody's joking. Did you see this stuff online? Oh, he's just going to go back to Golden State at some point because they're going to be fine next year because everybody's going to be healthy again. And who knows what they're going to do with the trade deadline. Was it D'Angelo Russell? I, I hear is being shopped quite a bit. He's on a four-year deal that he signed that free agent deal. A lot of money on that. But going forward, is is he an option for them? Was that just 
something they were looking at, a complimentary piece, but then everything happened with Steph Curry getting injured on top of that. So best laid plans. Now, on top of that, they're going to probably have a first uh, a lottery pick in the first round in Golden State, so the rich might get richer. It's one step back this year to maybe possibly go on another run because they've still got clay. They've still got uh, green, and the dream on green. So it looks positive for them, whereas you said there with the Knicks going, it just doesn't. The Knicks are one of the teams interested in him, though. Go figure, Nick. I, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Because why? what's surrounding him, right? I, I, I don't know. I'm on scoops playing. I haven't been excited about NBA basketball in a long time. Because your team's crap. And my team sucks, and the owner's garbage, and it's the culture's toxic, too. and it's just not fun to be a fan. I've no interest to go and watch them because why would I go and watch garbage in front of me when I can watch it from the comfort of my own home? I have no expectations at the free agent deadline in the beginning of July on Bobby Bonilla Day when it all starts or whatever the date is this year. Uh, but as far as Andre Iguodala is concerned with Memphis, he's been getting paid $17 million. They've come to the decision, player and team, that basically you're not going to play and they're ultimately going to try to trade him. But he's probably not going to be in Memphis by the time the trade deadline rolls around a Woj bomb. Well, one place, he's not going to play a game in Memphis. And that had been the plan yep. all season long. Uh, the Grizzlies are determined and confident that they're going to have a trade for him by Thursday's deadline at 3 p.m., his salary at $17 million makes it hard to yeah. piece together the money. They want to get a draft asset or a young player back. It's probably going to be a draft asset, uh, but there's any number of contenders in both conferences that would love to get him. He's 35. He's stayed in shape this season. Anybody who's trading for Iguodala, they want him for a playoff run. Yeah. You've got some time here to ramp him up for the postseason. But uh, Iguodala, I, I really think before Thursday, he's in another uniform. You know, Golden State would maybe be an option he'd want to go for, but I think it's really about the Lakers and Clippers out West now to, to a large degree. And I've heard rumblings that the Lakers are interested. So is that where he goes? I mean, where can he go and help somebody win now? I think the Lakers are a great option. I think that there's a few other, I'm very curious to see where he winds up. He is a great depth option for a team that's contending. I'm not even convinced that if you added him to the mix in Houston that he could help them go all the no, way. No, no, no. Because no. I, I just think that's a dysfunctional team. There's only one basketball, and I don't think they know how to share it necessarily. Well, they have enough issues down there. Westbrook is a better player than Harden. I, I understand the gaudy numbers that Harden puts up, but the number of threes that he shoots, it's just not fun to watch. It's just not, and it's not championship basketball. They're not going to win with James Harden at all. It's not going to happen. we got to take a break. On the way at 3.30, though, Scoop and I do talk to Jim Beheim on Tuesday, so we'll hear about the Duke game, and we'll look forward to Wake Forest. We'll talk some NFL and Super Bowl and Chiefs and Champions, and that's all next. ESPN Radio 97.7. And 100.1 is the SportsZilla Show. At Sell2DV.com, powered by Drivers Village. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Lane and Scoop. Chris Stapleton is coming to the St. Joseph's Health Amphitheater at Lakeview. That is Friday, July 24th. Tickets are on sale Friday morning, 10 a.m. at LiveNation.com at the OnCenter box office or by phone, 1-800-745-3000. However, you can win your tickets right here. Win them before you can buy them. Right here. 
Give us a jingle on the Burdick Toyota guest line at 315-437-7644. And we'll give them to caller 7. Sounds like a good idea to me. So I was playing uh, Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake in the studio. And then I got mocked mercilessly uh, for the Twitch audience. If you were watching Q Sports Talk, twitch.tv. We kind of wanted to hear Metallica. So I, I had him crank that up a little bit. And I'm like, I like that song. I could have never admitted that back over on the brother station. But it's on in the bar all the time. And that's what you said. It just makes me want to drink more whiskey, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I've heard it a million times. And if you don't have a bottle of whiskey in front of you, it's it's kind of like being at the strip club. You've heard it too many times. You're throwing all that money away, but you don't you don't get to have anything at the smorgasbord. Oh man, I mean Stapleton and Timberlake sounded good together. It's going to be a good concert. Stapleton yeah. shreds, man. If you like if you like that style of music, and then Nick, who's in the studio with us today, basically took over because he's in control. It's like the driver of the car gets control of the radio. So he just he just killed it. He just ixnated it. And I said, well, what do you want to hear? And it was Metallica. Unfortunately, we still have our rejoin music underneath us. Hint, hint to our uh, our boy back in the studio to kill that. I want to hear some Power Trip. Live radio. Thanks. <laughs> I got this for you instead. Bring that up a little. This is what Nick wanted to hear. A little Metallica. Killer. Killer. Slide, slide that back down. Now he's all hyped. He, he was doing the Shaka in the studio. Feel a little bit better than our discussion on the Knicks in our last segment, huh? I mean, it, that's a low bar, though. Yeah, yeah, you'd rather talk about Metallica, though, right? Yeah. He told me he wasn't Come a on, dork. Would you say you were in a dork? Is that why you no, didn't scrub. want to? You were in a scrub, and that's why you didn't want to hear the other? Scrub. Well, we can talk about SU basketball with Jim Beheim in a few minutes. You can stand by and listen for that. Sports Illustrated Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. But I wanted to get into some of the uh, fallout of Super Bowl Sunday and the Kansas City Chiefs as champions. I still have not heard if Andy Reid got his double cheeseburger to celebrate. I have to assume that he did. Super Bowl audience was up about 4% this year, according to the ratings. Just under 100 million people watched that, apparently. And the busiest moment on social media was right after that Shakira J-Lo butt-wiggling contest at halftime. There was a lot of... uh there was a lot of statements made subliminally, or not subliminally, but they were hidden throughout the performance with Shakira and J-Lo. I'm not going to take us down that road entirely, but they were making some statements about the current state of the country. Let's put it that way. It was it was very, uh, very well done when you go back and you rewatch it. And I kind of have a secondary appreciation for what they did. I tell you what's hilarious is to read the like Facebook comments from people who are Outraged! I'm telling you, I'm outraged! Sam the Eagle, I'm outraged! They're mad about that. They weren't mad when it was Adam Levine taking his shirt off. Oh, yeah, yeah, funny, funny how, how the tables have turned, supposedly. It seems like everybody has something that makes them triggered, Nick. Why do they yeah. care? What triggers you, Nick? Did the Super Bowl halftime show trigger you? No, I'm very specific triggers. It didn't bother me either <laughs> at all. I'm just, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Anything that we can discuss? I like it when you shut me down, when I ask you a question, you're like, not something I'm talking about on the radio, bro. No, I mean, okay. So. I got him. Wild card round. Reeling the fish in. <laughs> go. I go against Scoop. Okay. I lost. Mm-hmm. Championship round. I go against Scoop. 
I lost. Yep. Super Bowl. I go against Scoop. You got it. 20 to 10. Mahomes throws another interception. I lost. Well, you, it. You, never, you, never go against. Boom. No. Turn it around. Got the dub. Not a scrub. Rub a dub scrub. <laughs> cool. I'm a winner. Dude, yeah. I have never Boom. seen Mike him. drop. I have never seen you so animated. That was awesome. We need, we need one of these. We need to trigger Nick every single Sportsilla show that he's on with us. I literally sat there with eight minutes to go. It's 20 to 10. And I'm thinking 49ers are going to lose. Chiefs. <laughs> Got them right where they want him. And lo and behold, were you sitting in your house, Nick, going, it was. Scoop got it again? Not, you could add a few more expletives. Okay. But that's about the gist of it. Yeah. So he had a, I appreciate that. Thank you. He kind of had a bone to pick with you about this. And I'm kind of glad that you got it off your chest. I feel like the weight of the world is off everybody's shoulders. There's no tension in the room now. He's feeling good. What do you think about the people who said, Oh, he played one of his worst games before that, but, you know, uh, Mahomes did it in the end. Bunk. He had a couple of interceptions. He was playing against the 49ers defense. It's the Super Bowl. They're supposed to be a a good opponent. Yeah, I just, it's, it's funny what triggers people, what the narrative is, and what different directions it goes. Some people watch the halftime show and they're like, whatever. Others... Highly offended. And I guess it just depends. Different strokes for different folks. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was funny. Somebody had posted uh. online some pictures of Cher back in the 70s with some of the stuff that she used to wear. And you're you're going back pushing 50 years ago now at this point. And nobody was offended then. And this is a big deal now. Or you I, just, I don't think it was anything worse than what Cher was wearing all those years ago. Or you just turn it off and you do something else. Or you go outside and step away from social media like you scream at millennials all the time. You old frumpy, get out of my yard people about the halftime show. Well, here's the thing. Okay, it's 12 minutes. They get 12 minutes. So if it's something that you're concerned that it might offend you and your morality, or your children, turn it for 12 minutes, turn it back, everybody will be fine. I think the Puppy Bowl's on at halftime, isn't it? As no, I said, before. As I said yesterday, it wasn't that long ago that we had a wardrobe malfunction boom flash, and you are surprised that a couple of women are twerking or whatever. Don't you know what you're getting into? It's like people who want to complain about the new Eminem album. It's called Music to be Murdered by. It's an Eminem album. Do you understand what you're signing up for? I think there's a reasonable amount of expectation there of what might be included within that album if your sensibilities are easily offended. He's not going to be doing nursery rhymes unless they're like Andrew Dice Clay. Brady and Belichick, um, are they getting back together? That's the last thing I'm going to ask as far as the NFL right now because we do have Jim Beheim set up and ready to talk to in a few minutes. So what do you think? Is he going back there or are one of these rumors going to come true? Because everybody's like, oh, he should have gone. He should go to San Francisco for a couple of years because Garoppolo is, you know, whatever. Why would he go anywhere else? Why would he? The only other place to go is the XFL because he's already the greatest in this league. He can be the greatest <laughs> he got booed at that NFL 100 thing they did at the Super Bowl. And he just held up three of them rings. Yeah. He did. Like, see? See? It was funny to see Belichick smile, too. 
He was he was playing for he, the cameras. He liked being booed. Bill, the camera's going to be on you for three seconds. Smile. Just smile. And he wasn't in a hoodie. That was kind of cool, too. He was, like, in the jacket that they were all wearing, the whole the whole getup that they all had on. That's interesting. He's going back to the Patriots. They're probably going to be in play for the Super Bowl next year. At some, at some point, doesn't he want to just go home and, like, live his best life and relax? I mean, okay, 16, 18, 20-hour days. some point, I mean, he's not a spring chicken anymore. Doesn't he want to go home and, like, spend some of that money? But maybe this is just what he is and what he does and what he wants I, to do. I guess so, and and he must really enjoy it if he wants to keep at it again. How many more years can he do this? One, two? Uh, eventually, we're going to find out the answer to that. I mean, we'll I revisit I, this conversation. I, I'd want to go to the beach for crying out loud. Can I go to Florida and spend my retirement money, toes in the sand, nice drink, girls running by in bikinis? Trying to dodge the Portuguese man of war in the sand. Unfortunately, you're not Bill Belichick with that money, so I guess the answer is no. Let's come back. Uh, there's a Matt Gutierrez article in The Athletic about the numbers on the Syracuse basketball team that will lead us into a nice conversation. I forgot I was talking to Andrew Carnegie over here. That'll lead us into a nice conversation with Jim Bayheim on the Sports Hill Show. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. I got a passing nuke in relation to Major League Baseball lined up for you in our next segment. Because as we get back on it here on Q Sports Talk, Twitch.tv, with some interesting conversations off of the air, we just came up with that. No, I, I should say Nick just came up with that. Oh, I didn't come up with that. Oh, no? Oh, no, that's been a thing. Okay, explain this. Rosenthal has too many... Syllables in his name. Okay. Dralix's his sidekick. Mm -hmm. Buster isn't really the main guy anymore, so you can't use Buster Bomb. Passin's the main guy, so Passin Nuke, whenever he drops a big... Like a Woj Bomb like in a the Woj, NBA. Like a Woj Bomb in the NBA. Okay. Passin well, Nuke. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball in our next segment, because right now, the jersey numbers put out by... well. That the team wears, Syracuse basketball wears. Matt Gutierrez of the Athletic wrote an article about that. He just basically went through the roster, all the, all of the uh, guys on scholarship, and he was like, "Hey, why do you wear that particular number?" For example, Buddy Beheim wears thirty five because his dad wore it. Come to find out, if you read the article, and if you don't have the Athletic, we'll give you a couple of slices of this. But number twenty one in high school, because lo and behold, Jim also wore number twenty one in high school. Brahma Sidibe, for example. Likes Kim Olajuwon, blah, blah, blah. That's why he's number 34. Elijah Hughes, 33. His explanation's in there. Merrick Dolajai, why he wears 21. That explanation's in there. There's some good ones. Did any stick out to you, Scoop, when you were looking through the different numbers and the guys and why they're wearing them? Well, the, the buddy stuff to his dad. But I, I don't remember. Why does Merrick Dolajai wear the 21? Would you like to know? Yeah. He said his answer, I usually wear 21, 11, or 31. I started wearing 21 when I was little. It was my first number. It's my mom's number, her birthday. Her birthday's the 21st. I'm not sure what month, though. Laughs. I started with that, and when I came here freshman year, 11 was O'Shea Brissett's number. Number 31 is Pearl, Pearl's Dwayne Washington, so I chose 21. That was his reasoning. Elijah, I'll tell you why he wears 33. No reason, to be honest. My red shirt year, I was number four. I've been number four pretty much my whole life. I just wanted to do something different. I don't know the answer. Scotty Pippen is the guy is a guy who kind of did it all. Not that I compare myself to him, but he's a guy I look at who wore 33. That was his reasoning. 
I was hoping Merrick Dolajai would say 21 for Roberto Clemente, but I know that was a stretch because it's a million years ago, and he's a baseball player. I'll give you one more. Joe Girard, number 11. We're number 11 because it means a lot to my family. My dad wore it at LeMoyne playing for John Bayline. I wore it in high school. My cousins wore it. It's big time for us. My dad is my biggest role model and taught me a lot when I was he taught me a lot of what I know about the game. That's why he wears it's, it. It's a cool piece, you know, because you always wonder why guys pick numbers. Back in the day, Brad Doherty, 43. Why? He's a NASCAR fan, you come to find out. And it was because of Richard Petty. You know, you, you learn weird stuff about guys. And then Brad Doherty in, in racing. He's, he wound up as a, a team owner. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just it's a fantastic piece. I uh, we we speak to Jim Bayheim and we do that every single Tuesday. The problem is we pre-record that and I forgot to save it, so I have to go in the other room. So what we're going to do is I think we're going to take our break a couple of minutes early and give that to you in our final segment. So I just wanted to deal with the Major League Baseball stuff. This okay. is, this is the this is what you deal with with human error. I saved it into uh, another directory, so I have to go fish that out so we can share our Jim Beheim interview. Completely my bad. Uh, but as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, there's a big discussion on where Mookie Betts is going to end up playing because ultimately he's going to test free agency. And so they're weighing, is it going to be the trade and the offer from the Dodgers? There's been many. Or is it going to be the San Diego Padres? So who's offering more? Which which team would be willing to give up more? And what did you call it? A passing passing nuke. nuke. So here's what he had to say about the situation. Mookie Betts is not going to be on the Boston Red Sox in 2020. The question at this point, is he going to be with Los Angeles Dodgers or is he going to be with the San Diego Padres? Both of them have made multiple offers to the Red Sox. At this point, you would have to think that the Dodgers are the favorite. The incentive is just so much stronger for them to supplement the team that they've got already. They've won the National League West for what feels like a decade now, whereas the Padres would be getting Mookie Betts for one year. They're probably not going to resign him in this. They probably won't give up as much value. Somewhere, Polly Sevilla is dancing with joy yeah. at the possibility of that happening. But he's not going to have him, like you said, he's not going to have him for more than one year. Or are they going to resign him? Are they going to actually do that? And, I mean, they've got some good pieces in play in San Diego. It just seems like... Pitching, 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 pitching is ultimately always the issue. I don't know how much depth they actually have. Yeah, I, the Dodgers are perennial, perennial uh, powerhouse, you know, right about now. And, you know, you uh, talk to Dodgers fans and they feel like they've had two World Series stolen from them. You know, we had the whole council vote out there, you know, which is totally pandering to their their voters there, their constituents. But they're awful close. And imagine that team if you add that piece, you know. Yeah, I am. And and they've got so much money compared to San Diego. They can absorb it easier. I mean, I, they're probably working to make that deal happen right now. It's just funny because I obviously want the Yankees to win, but then you sit back and you go, oh, man, the Dodgers. Well, I mean, it's a it's, uh, ball break. Busting your chops. I mean, the baseball gods have just been tormenting that fan base, getting so close, so close, yeah. so close. It's tough to see. I think as we've been talking, I've been able 
to get our interview with Jim Beheim set and ready to go, but I want to have enough time so that we don't intrude on Brent Axon on the block. So we're going to take that break right now. We're going to come back, and I'll share Scoop and my interview with Jim Beheim on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. As promised, Scoop and my interview with Jim Beheim for a little earlier this afternoon. Matt Gutierrez did an article on the significance of numbers that the players on the team wear. And it's funny because Buddy Beheim's answer was, I wear number 35 because my dad wore it as a player here. And I also used to wear number 21 in high school. And I learned that my dad also wore number 21 in high school. That's pretty neat. Unusual. <laughs> What's the significance in the numbers that you wore? Just what they gave you, or did you pick and choose them? No, I think they were just given. I don't remember any significance to them at all. What about buddies wanting to wear 35? That had to mean a little something to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's fun to see that. I don't pay much attention. I don't even sometimes know the numbers that player, our players are wearing. I don't really keep track of that stuff, but... Uh, yeah, it's nice to have it out there. It's uh, it's a good it's a good thing. Marek Dolajai wears number twenty one, and his game is just getting better and better and better. And boy, you want to talk about the the MVP of that game for the team? I think overall, I'm sure you agree. I saw some of your post game comments and heard some as well. Well, he's played tremendous uh, basketball for us. He does so many things defensively. Plays forward. Plays center. Uh, he's a really good passer. Uh, he can score now. Absolutely a tremendous player. His development uh, is, uh, has been tremendous this year. I think offensively we've grown as a team. We're a very good offensive basketball team. Uh, a lot of options, a lot of different ways we can score. We're scoring inside and outside. Our defense is not as good as it needs to be, but it's a little better than people think. It's uh, uh, in the middle of the league kind of uh, defensive field goal percentages, uh and, and uh, scoring, we're getting hurt inside. That's something that we were really struggled with all year. But overall, uh, I think we're getting better there. I, but I know our offense has really improved from the beginning of the year. So, talk a little bit about the next challenge, Wake Forest. Well, they're you know they're capable like anybody in this league. They're capable of beating anybody. Uh, you know, it's just uh, the way the league is. These are good teams. You've got to play well. Uh, our goal is to keep getting better, to play good basketball, and and let the cards fall where they may. Can I ask about Mike Hopkins, who has had some some struggles this year in Washington? Because it's a common refrain you hear about. Oh. The Syracuse program was hurt so much because Mike Hopkins did recruiting, and we all know that's a bunch of nonsense. But I also. <laughs> well, he did, did a lot of good things for our program, tremendous things. Jerry has uh, recruited a lot of our players as well. Uh, and it's kind of a team thing. We all go after our recruits, and over the years, we've had good recruiters. Mike Hopkins, Troy Weaver, uh, I go way back. Uh, number of really good recruiters, but um, he's he's was the coach of the year twice in the Pac-10, two years in a row, and now all of a sudden he's not a good coach. Exactly, I mean, that, that, that's just the his team just hasn't fit together. He lost his point guard. I mean, he you know he they were beat Baylor early in the year. They looked like they had a chance to be a really good team, the only team to beat Baylor, and then uh, their point guard messes up in school, and uh, you know really good point guard solid point guard and now they, it's hard to win without a point guard. they really don't even have a backup point guard that's 
the, the real issue. He was going to be the point guard this year, and he just let him down. So, uh, you know, there's not much you can do as a coach when you lose your point guard like that. And they've lost about five one-point games because of it. If you're in a one-point game, you lose five games by one or two points without your point guard. You obviously could have won three, four, maybe all five of those games. So, you know, you just can't go by by that. That's uh, that. That was a devastating blow to lose your point guard uh, like that. Well, Jim, it's just the narrative that I guess media uses to try to dispel the fact that Syracuse, as it stands now, without Mike Hopkins, suddenly can't recruit players. Which brings me to, for the 84th time, over 30,000 people in the Dome for the game against Duke. Unfortunately, a loss. It's an amazing recruiting tool, and it also is something that Dino Babers uses uh, yeah, as a recruiting uh, tool. The whole school does. It was a great uh, great day. The fans were great. And unfortunately, we just couldn't get the job done, but it was just always disappointing. But, you know, our recruiting has been good. Uh, we lost four starters from last year's team, and, you know, you just don't turn that over uh, without any seniors and with the young guards. So uh, I think these guys have played well. I think they're getting better, and uh, I like the recruits we have coming in. I like the players we have lined up in terms of the future. Um, and, uh, well, you know, we'll see how it all works out down the road. But uh, the last seven or eight years, we've been, 10 years, really, we've been good in the tournament, but we haven't been great in the regular season for 10 years. It's not just two. We've been good, okay, good, good enough to get in the tournament, but not a great team. And, you know, we like to get better. But we're, we're happy getting in the tournament and doing something in the tournament, too. Uh, I think we've had the most wins in the tournament over the last 10 years from a lower position so that's uh, that's pretty good jim just last thing tell us about your super bowl experience on sunday it was fun you know i like it. it you know it's it's fun to be able to do that and uh, uh see a great game you know it was a great game we had a day off so it's good to get away and and uh and see a great game and we came back had a good practice uh, you know on monday so everything's on the, in in the right direction always appreciate the time jim thanks have a good week we'll talk to you soon thanks so there you go, Jim Beheim. I uh, feel like we just dodged the bullet there. <laughs> the old expression, woo, technology. Sometimes you get caught in the matrix scoop and there's nothing you can do about it and you just got to make it work. Yeah, that sort of happens to me when I'm trying to do taxes every year and I can't find that one PDF I saved or that one receipt. Something happens. Well, we got the receipts on Jim Beheim. It was nice to hear from him. We try to talk to him every Tuesday. The man that's up next, Brent Axe, we get on the block at 4 o'clock. He talks to him every single Thursday. Is there anything else we got to know about Brent Axe? I feel like he's given something out this week. Do you have your uh, information in front of you? What does Brent Axe have this week? Uh, Is there a giveaway he's got? There was one last week. Is uh, it last week? Think, yeah, there's not one right now. Or are we just oh, wait, wait, he's got the uh, the Crunch versus Comets game Valentine's Day. Thing. That's what it was. I knew there was something that he was doing this afternoon. So if you're a hockey fan, uh, Peter Abandonado has been recalled to the Crunch from the Orlando Solar Bears. So you can see him. He had a good start to the season, and then he's kind of bounced around a little bit. It's been a tough go for the Syracuse Crunch. But Brent X is next. The Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1.